You are listening to an episode of the Beehive podcast, Rubies and Gold. We are so happy you're here. Don't forget to like and subscribe on whichever podcast service you're listening on so you don't miss a thing. And if you're a bit late to the party, welcome. Why not pop back and catch up on any episodes you've missed so far? Hello and welcome to episode four of our Beehive podcast, Rubies and Gold. I am your host, Karen, and each episode I'll be joined by special guests in our Beehive pod and we'll be mining for stories to entertain you as you go about your life. Today, I'm joined by Becca again. Can't get rid of her. Um, And we're adding Charlotte into the mix. Hello. Hi, Charlotte. Um, Before we get into the proper story, some of you may know Charlotte, some may not. And I'm assuming if you're listening to episode three, you will have already heard Becca's intro. But to break the ice and help you all get to know a bit about the people behind the voices, we're going to do our who are ya section (laughs) (laughs) with a quick fire question round aimed directly at Charlotte. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to fire 10 questions at you, um, and all I need for you is to give me your quickest answer without thinking about it. There's no right and wrong answers. No. <laughs> I mean, no there tests. are appropriate and inappropriate answers. I'm trying very hard to behave, so... Great, thank you. You ready? Ready. Here we go. What is your favourite pudding? Um, pavlova. <laughs> How many kids do you have? Two. If you were a Disney princess, which would you be? Moana. Wine or gin? Gin. Favourite animal? Dog. Shower or bath? Shower. Do you have any pets? No. What's your favourite colour? Rainbow. What's your love language? Words of affirmation. What's your favourite snack? Crisps. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Although you have Billy the budgie. No, Billy's not ours. Oh, okay, fine. Although he has returned this morning because mum and dad have He's a bit of a timeshare budgie, isn't he? (laughs) Bit of a liability. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Great. So um, today we're talking about pop-up to permanent and the journey we took to becoming a fully-fledged space in the town centre. Becca, we touched in the last couple of episodes um, about a conversation we had in the core team in the stockroom, sitting on the floor or on boxes, because no luxury of chairs. Um, But we were chatting about um, the fact that lots of people had asked if we were going to stay open and we all felt categorically this is not for now, so no, we're going to shut. But we did know that it wasn't an end forever, right? Yeah. Um, So we all individually had kind of a dream for which shop we would want. If we could have any shop in Ashford, we were all like, one, two, three, go. Um, So (laughs) like we all knew this one place, but can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we loved this shop that had previously had a shop in it called The Merchant Chandler. Uh, People still refer to it as The Merchant Chandler Shop. Um, And it's a beautiful old building. Actually, before that, it had been like a proper vintage department store. It's got this beautiful wooden staircase. It's a really lovely building. Um, And that was the one that we all said we would love to be in. But um, it had a shop in it and, and some other businesses and things as well. So... Uh, whilst it was a dream, it was yeah. it was one it was but just that it was just a dream, and we had no money. Oh yeah, there's that too. Much no money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we took the decision um, that we would pack up as planned and move everything into storage. Um, we had the money that we made throughout 
the sales um, that we used to like pay off all the expenses um, from the whole month and then um, use the rest of that money to hire a storage unit um, with the intention of coming back when the time is right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the next stop on our timeline didn't come for another nine months. Um, what happened from packing up at the end of October 2017 to then July 2018? Well, that was quite a nine months <laughs> in my life um, um, and in the beehive life. Yeah. So, yeah, we put everything into storage um, and my personal life blew up. Yeah. Um, so I needed to find some employment and I got a job working for... Um, a Christian organisation called Mission Aviation Fellowship, went there and it was a really nice, safe, well-paid job that I loved yeah. and loved the people that I was working with and I was learning loads. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and, and realistically, I thought that we couldn't do anything else with the beehive for a long time. So all this stuff was sitting in storage, loads of summer clothes, because we'd, we'd run in October, anything that was summer we'd put away. Yeah. And... Um, kind of put the idea on the back bench that it wouldn't be happening for a few years, that I was going to stay in my nice, comfortable job um, as a newly single mum to just, you know, uh, earn, earn money and not have to stress yep. for a bit. That was the idea. Yep. And then we decided to um, sell some of the summer stock. Yeah. We thought, this is silly that it's just sitting here. Yeah, exactly. We were paying for the storage. Um, and whilst... I should say we didn't spend all the money that was in the bank account on storage. We actually yeah. we had still had a very healthy bank account, um, but we didn't want to waste the money yeah. spending it on storage. So yeah, we decided that we needed to do something about that. Um, so we had a two day pop up yeah. at the warehouse. Yeah. Um, so the warehouse is um, the building for what was then known as Asher Vineyard is now Numa Church, um, but we have a massive auditorium downstairs. And so we thought, let's just crack out a two-day pop-up and see what happens so we did um the evening on the friday yeah and um, where with prosecco right oh, yes. so a prosecco shop, shopping event that's where we learned us. some very neat like lessons that yeah. prosecco and shopping and the beehive are they really a marriage made in heaven yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we did that on the friday night and then on the saturday we were open all day and we had referrals at that time too yeah um, so Charlotte, you had been around um, for the original pop-up in 2017, um, but you had a lot going on in that month. I mean, yeah. a thousand hours we were doing for a long time as yeah. well. Yeah, so we were leading thousand hour schools. Yeah. And, I can remember, and you were working at the same time. Yeah, I was working, I was teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so really for me, I had a bit of FOMO with the first pop-up yeah. because yeah. I really wanted to get involved, but I just had no capacity yeah. at that point. So, um, I mean, you were often in there and you were very much part of the furniture. So although in the timeline, it might not look like you were in it, like we class you as being in it from the very beginning. My heart was very much in it, even if I wasn't physically involved at that point. I think the biggest thing I got involved in was the pack down. Yeah. Packed up. Yeah. 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 Packed up. But no, I got stuck in for the two-day pop-up here. So what are your memories of that two-day pop-up? My memories are the fact that we had this huge auditorium space that just looked like normal church and we wanted to make it beautiful. And doing that was, I mean, it's still, for me, it was like (laughs) God-given inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think we even covered the drum kit or the piano in flowers. Oh, we did, yeah, 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 Yeah. we did, yeah. (laughs) And we covered it in chicken wire. Chicken wire. And then we used all the flowers flowers. all over it. Yeah, Yeah, so it was just that transformation. And I think the, the transformation that 
is very physically seen in the building has always been the thing that has drawn me to the beehive because it, we see that transformation in yeah. people and that was a very huge physical event but actually the, the small transformations that are really rooted were the things that um, attracted me to want to give more to the to the project yeah. so um, came along and then Evie my daughter then I was yeah. hooked we have pictures of Evie who was young at that yeah. point um, yeah. on the till yeah. doing bits and pieces doing yeah. the till and yeah it was just a great 24 hours wasn't it yeah. really yeah it um, was and you couldn't cut who was poorly someone had chicken pox Oh, oh I, I had a problem with my kids. Yes. And it, yeah, so I couldn't be involved in the setup no. because their dad couldn't help out at all. Yeah. And it was like, oh, yeah, it was a really stressful run up and that having to relinquish like the setup to yeah. other people. But yeah. it like, and, and yeah, I just walked in to see that transformation because <laughs> I'd missed most of the Friday yeah. because of sick kids. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's I great. think one of my favourite things from that transformation were the um, dressing rooms, the changing rooms uh, underneath yeah. the the sound booth, yeah. <laughs> underneath there. That Make was just changing yes, rooms. Yes, yeah. I just did it. It worked. Yeah, it really worked. Yeah. yeah, and I think having that embedded inspiration is something now that we all carry to inspire other people. Yeah. That you don't need a perfect place to do it. You yeah. just need to do it. Yeah, I love that. Um, so after that two-day pop-up, uh, we packed up all the rest of the clothes and we gave them away to other charities. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't know when we'd be ready to open permanently. We didn't want to carry on paying for all the storage. We did keep um, some furniture and some things we knew that we would need to start a new shop. Um, but we thought clothes need to go so we can downgrade. Um, little did we know, <laughs> permanence was closer than we thought. Yeah. <laughs> Much closer. Um, what happened next? Yeah, so like I said, here was me thinking it's a good few years away. Um, and I was on a temporary contract and they just offered me a permanent contract to stay. So I was very happy that I was just going to stay and in a few years time rethink about it. And then I got a phone call whilst I was at work from Nick. Now that's quite an, you know, an unusual thing for her to do. She knew I was at work. So I like picked up and um, sneakily next to, next to my boss. Um, and, um, and she said, I've just had a call from someone who's in the Merchant Chandler building asking if we'd like to open the beehive there. <laughs> oh, the Merchant Chandler building? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that shop that we all talked about that's got shops in it. Yeah. Um, so basically, I, we went that day to yeah. go and see it and and have a look around the building because how could you say no to that? Yeah. Oh gosh. Like, <laughs> it's just like even just thinking about it now, it's like bonkers, isn't it? It it really was. And we were walking around. So with uh, there was a guy called Julian who is an absolute legend in the Beehive story. <laughs> we and call him. King Julian. King Julian. And um, he showed us around the building. He was subletting the whole space, the whole building, which is massive, and had got a couple of smaller businesses within it. And he was showing us around, and the idea was for this us to be in an upstairs space that was empty, which was great, and he was offering it at a really good rent. Yeah. But as we were walking around, we were like, it, which, it's just a shame we don't have the street, you know, and yeah. the windows on the street. And he just said, well, I'll move my shop if you want me to and you can have the street. And again, that was another, what is going on here <laughs> moment so that you good. just couldn't make up. So, um, yeah, that was, that was, it was an incredible experience going to look around and then him just offering to up and move so that we could be where we wanted to be. So good. So good. Um, so we got the keys to our first permanent building. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just our first permanent building. It was the one that we had all dreamt of as well. Um, so we shared a little bit more of an in-depth look at the divine information. Divine information? <laughs> divine that intervention um in the god story um which was episode three so if you want to go back and listen to that please feel free um but on the 26th of october 2018 which was a year after our pop-up um three months after we gave away all our stuff <laughs> um the keys were in our hands and we stepped into being permanent um, again, we gathered our team of happy helpers <laughs> to get the space ready. Um, it was a four-week turnaround, essentially, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so then, over the next year and a half, we navigated being open permanently in Ashford's Town Centre as a shop with a heart. Um, the first few months especially, Becca, like, tell me about it, how were they? Oh, it was just amazing. You you definitely, when you've had something so successful as the two pop-ups, um, you feel the energy pressure. from that. Um, but yeah, pressure for sure. And that, you know, is it going to be as successful as those pop-ups are, were where it's a, a really condensed period of time? But we'd built up a following and we'd built up people that were excited about the project. So we had a little launch party on a Friday night yeah. where people who had been involved in, in the project, um, in the pop-ups, in the setup of the shop all came along. We invited some of the big wigs. Yeah, people from around Ashford. Um, and and oh, the atmosphere was just amazing. It was Prosecco again. Oh, yeah, again, Prosecco. <laughs> and those people that came got to do the first lot of shopping. And, and it was just so lovely. And to have the team there, oh, it's it was brilliant. And then we then went into the run up to Christmas, which obviously is a great shopping yeah, time all round. And absolutely. so uh, we carried on doing really great. Yeah. And that was that was that was lovely. People were spending money and they thought, oh, it's okay, this is gonna work. I've left my nice job to do this and yeah. it's gonna be okay. After Christmas, things naturally, and I know this, I've worked in retail a long time, naturally took a dip, and you start to feel a bit antsy as a business leader <laughs> yeah. and the church you know who had put their their money behind this and and their reputation to support it um but then in april we got nominated for this awards that, that's around the country called the muddy stilettos and they're a, they're an organization that support independent businesses in yeah. in towns outside of london um to be successful when they do these awards and so we were nominated as the best women's fashion store in Kent, which was a, we I mean, know it was, laughable, it was absolutely it? crazy. We were less than six months old, and we've been nominated for this, and then we won it, and and that we just ha had no idea what was no. going on. It no. was just you know it, we just never even thought that we people respected us in in that way as a fashion store. You know we were and we were up against people who were like established yeah. with like tens of thousands of people mm. on social media and we were like yeah. we were barely we weren't even up at 1000 at that yeah. point and selling new clothes and whilst we're yeah. selling second hand yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no we're not yeah. exactly fashion because it's second hand yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know that's that's what how people saw us that we were the best because they were invested in in what was happening and in the story and that i think that was real affirmation for me that this is going to work yeah. you know the finances were still good you know it was a natural dip it was all good and the stories that were coming out were amazing um, but to then just have that, um, that vo people voted for the Muddy yeah. Stilettos, that people were putting their 
not their money where the mouths is, but you know, yeah. their vote their votes where we're saying like this is good, we support this, we want this to happen. Yeah. And I think for us like we we think that we're doing a good job, but it's not until you actually like win a public voting round up against like people in Tunbridge Wells yeah. who are like well established. It's not until that point where you're like, oh actually actually maybe we are doing all right. <laughs> it's really interesting as well how we discovered a whole group of people who didn't necessarily know the beehive as a shop but knew what the beehive did and yeah. think that was for me what that first muddy stilettos was that oh the message is bigger than just a, a women's shop the message is that we do something different and it's that difference that people are attracted to yeah oh it's great oh um <laughs> so looking back on that time from a business point of view becca i mean you touched upon the fact that it was a challenge and um, but what were some of the challenges um, that we faced along the way? And how did the way that we did things in the beginning change over that first year? Yeah, I think getting the processes set up was one of the biggest things. Um, uh, like the, <laughs> as we've told in the previous episode, the, the craziness of setting up the, that first pop-up yeah. where we didn't have a lot of time to get it done in. So we kind of just had to grab ideas yeah Yeah. and just go well let's try this and see if it works and so we learned some things about staffing that just weren't going to work going forward so it was having to change that to be sustainable because it wasn't sustainable for longer than a month um and around managing donations which I think we're still figuring out but um we've much more got a handle on in our latest shop it even the whole time in when we were in the merchant china building we did not get a handle on how to process donations well because there was more than we could ever imagine coming in um keeping our staffing levels up was always a challenge um but one of the interesting things was how we did clients and that we just were like oh let's do it like that and then it stayed stayed, and that's one of the processes that has barely changed in that whole time um and and just how we how we present ourselves, how we serve our customers, how we love our customers. Like that has been a gradual, slow process of learning how to bring customers in, how to keep them, how to to love them, to make them feel better in those moments. That has been a constant learning and also how we teach our volunteers how to do that and what we've learned. It's been a lot of fine tuning, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that's that's very normal in yeah. business, but um is also gonna be very normal in in a new thing that you're yeah. that you're doing where you're it's learning it's almost been like it's on fast forward hasn't it <laughs> yes <laughs> we're doing everything but just a bit quicker yes yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. feels it feels like that because we want excellence and we want the best for all the stakeholders not yeah. just you know not just the clients or the customers but the volunteers and the staff and yeah, yeah. the church and absolutely the community yeah, excellence and everything is like our heart, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think a great business milestone for us was adding people to employment. Um, so, Becca, you were employed part-time as the big boss lady. Um, <laughs> um, Nick added a few hours at that beginning point um, to do the referrals coordinating. Um, and then, Charlotte, in January 2020, we got a grant to employ you um, for a year in a new role, which um, we're going to come back to in another episode. But um, for you, after giving your volunteer time for quite a while... Um, how did it feel for you to then now work officially for the Beehive, which is just a place that you love? Oh, good question. Um, how it felt, 
not a huge amount of difference <laughs> in as much as I gave as much as I would have done as a volunteer, as I do, I think, as a paid employee. Um, but it felt like I'd come home. It felt like I was meant to be there. And there seemed to be a future in that role, which I think when you're in a job or in a relationship and you see a future, things, your perspective change changes. And all the time I'd been teaching and then gave up teaching and then I was just volunteering, I felt like I was floundering a bit. So I think it yep. became more embedded that, that this is where I was meant to be and what I was meant to do. And the one thing that became super clear was the fact that my teaching skills were not going to be wasted <laughs> <laughs> because I use a lot of those skills so in, in my role yeah. at the Beehive. Um, and like with anything, as soon as there is a, so there'd been a, a transactional process of time and mm. energy and volunteering, but as soon as money's involved as well, it's different. It feels it, official, doesn't it? It feels official. It feels stable. Yeah, it feels stable, but also like you want to do your your best. Yeah. I mean, I'd only ever known teaching, which is a job that is very routine, very, um, you, you have to do what you need to do and you have to jump through the hoops. And all of a sudden, Becca was like, well, what do you want the job to look like? Yeah. And I was a bit like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and it took me it took me quite a while to break down the culture of teaching and lose the fact that actually if I came in a bit late because I'd had something else to do that I could make my hours up because yeah. teaching had been so regimented yeah. and I found a freedom. Yeah. There was a, there was very much a freedom in the job. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking I'm looking forward to chatting to you more like about how your role has changed because mm. it has like phenomenally changed yeah. um, over those years. Again, fine tuning. And yeah. um, so, yeah, we'll come back to that at another point. Um, one thing I really want to mention about to North Street is um, the precious relationship that we developed with um, Radio Ashford. <laughs> um, they lived in the building with us. They were just upstairs in a tiny little booth just next to our stock room. Um, these people, honestly... I think you'll agree, are the most fantastic humans. Oh, they're amazing. Um, yeah. Like, they love Ashford, and they just want the best for it, and, like, apart from anything else, they're just absolutely hilarious. Mm. <laughs> they're just so funny, and they're so great. Um, but one of my favourite things was getting in of a morning, um, and the first thing I did before I did anything else, I mean, maybe I sh shouldn't have done this because <laughs> I shouldn't be doing work, but the first thing I'd do before I did anything else was pop upstairs and say hi to whoever was in the booth and be like, do you want a coffee? Um, and I just, it was just brilliant. And we would usually join them at some point in the day for a little chat on air, um, usually about nothing of any importance. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and like the uh, Radio Ashford listeners would just have to endure us like often. But for me, I think um, the conversations and the friendships we'd built behind the closed doors are the ones that I really treasure. Um, like Webbo, Sam and Phil especially um, have really become such family for us, haven't they? Yeah. Um, and those like precious moments in that time together where we got to share life and talk about the real stuff, the real heart things. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful for the friendships that we developed with them that still continue now. Yeah. And oh, I miss them. I know, I really miss yeah. being in the building with them. I really miss it. They're like such life bringers, aren't they? Um, what what are your favourite like Radio Asher moments from across our time together? There are so many. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for two. 
Uh, one is that Sam um, was kind of the compare, the host for our fashion show that we had as a birthday party in that shop, um, which was just brilliant. And we were able to like get her a dress from the shop and yeah. she looked beautiful. And, and that like really celebrated that relationship yeah. because it was like the birthday of our friendship with Radio Ashford as well yeah. and everything. Um, but kind of just more of on an everyday level, I didn't have an office or a desk at that time. Mm-hmm. I used to sit in the window at that old shop <laughs> on my laptop constantly interruptible Always. which and I, I I that's you know I want an open door you, yeah. you know that people can come to me and ask me things but sometimes <laughs> you just need to be able to get your head down and concentrate on something I'd also having gone to a girl's school gone I never want to be just surrounded <laughs> by women again and and yet the, then I set up this business yeah. and so every now and again I would go and sit in the studio with Phil just to be around someone with a bit of testosterone um um but also just to be away from and I could yeah. do, and he would just let me get on it was a place of safety yeah wasn't it? and I would just get my head down get things done get have mate sometimes have a little moan <laughs> or whatever I needed he was such an amazing support and safe space for me to go when I didn't have a desk he kind of became like our big brother didn't yeah, he yeah totally yeah and I still feel that way about yeah. him Charlotte um, for me, it was building up relationships and the fact that they were in their little pod in the corner. It always felt to me like they were a little bit isolated. So yeah. they'd have guests come in, yeah. but it, it was really nice for us to be able to say, ask them how they were doing. Mm. And and when you use the word family, they really were family yeah. because if our kids came in, I used to think, where's Tom? And he'd be upstairs yeah. <laughs> in Radio Ashford. And it was never, we were never made to feel like they were being a pain or anything. Yeah. And actually they were embraced and that's what family does. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I really miss them. Yeah. And they embraced all the clothes that yeah. just like was spilling out everywhere. They, they, yeah, I mean, they our, were very tolerant. Our banter, our, yeah. our sarcastic wit. Oh yes. Walking. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they're quite relieved. Not <laughs> they're probably enjoying having a bit a break now yeah and but we had such a happy time in two north street and um it was like our first permanent home and first kind of proper home wasn't it um so obviously the story doesn't end there we're going to pick up from here in the next episode so make sure to come back but for now thank you becca and charlotte thank you you for coming um and we'll be hearing from you a little bit later we'll see you soon bye Thank you for listening to this episode on Rubies and Gold. You won't want to miss an episode, so make sure you like and subscribe on whichever podcast service you're listening on. We'd also love to hear from you. Reach out and tell us your thoughts, or if you have questions to ask, drop us an email at rubiesandgoldpod at gmail.com and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Or just stop by for coffee one day if you're nearby. We'd love to see you.